0: Hey, hey, this is episode 16, Grieving Your Child's Diagnosis. This podcast is for parents that want solutions, not just sympathy for the many personal struggles that come with raising children with special needs. Welcome to Parents Have Special Needs Too, and I'm your host, Ashley Johnston. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Okay, let's talk about grieving your child's diagnosis. As I was thinking about this and thinking about what I could share that would be helpful, I realized that this is, this is a messy topic. Like it's, it's, there's so many different facets that go into it and different experiences and not all of them are the same but for now we're going to try to focus on the commonalities between all of them and so if you go through the stages of grief right where you have shock and denial pain guilt anger bargaining depression and then we're coming up towards um working through things and having acceptance of what's going on and having hope right so these are some of the common steps of grieving, not necessarily gone through in that order. But we're going to use that as the baseline for us to talk about grieving specifically when it comes to receiving a diagnosis for your child. Okay, so grieving your child's diagnosis, this is the moment when the doctor, the nurses, whatever it is, the, the professional comes back and shares with you that your child has Such and such disorder, or is diagnosed with this thing, or has this disability, and that disability is going to impact significantly their daily living and your daily living. For some, it's a moment of shock, for some, it's a moment of denial, for others, it's a moment of realizing that things will never be the same or never be what you had hoped that they would be. For me, I had absolutely no idea that I was grieving until maybe a year later. Because I was in denial. A lot of it. I was in denial that this was going to be as long lasting as it was. And the reason was, was because we didn't have a final diagnosis. We didn't have a, this is what Elizabeth has. This is what's causing the aspirating. This is why she's not growing. This is why she is developmentally behind. Nothing. And so we were in a state of limbo for a really long time. And so I thought this is just temporary, right? Even though, you know, she had failure to thrive and then we learned she was aspirating and then we learned that she would need a G-tube sorry, an NG tube initially. Um, It was about that time when we got the NG tube and I thought, okay, like we're going to be on this for a couple of months. She's going to gain the weight that she needs to gain and we're going to bypass the aspirating issues for a while till she gets strong and then we're going to move on. So I thought, you you know, what's the longest? And like usually six months is the longest that we want people to be on this NG tube is at least what they told us. And, um... And so I thought, okay, six months, and then we're going to be done, and she's going to be better. You know, we're going to be all right. And uh, if I could go back and relook at some of the therapists I had talked to, and just the way they were looking at me was like, honey, you have no idea. And I didn't. And I didn't want to see anything else, but the fact that things were going to return back to the way I thought they should be, that, that she was going to thrive and be normal right she wouldn't need any of these things and that she would grow just fine um but as time went on and we neared the end of the 6 months time period where she had the ng and the doctor started talking to us about getting a g tube because the ng tube can cause possible scarring in the back of the throat and different things that um it's not meant to be a permanent solution and so Anyway, that is the moment when they started talking about getting a G-tube that we would need surgery for it, that I started to realize, oh my gosh, this is not going away. Like, this is going to be a long-term thing and, and possibly very, very long. And at this point, we still didn't have an official diagnosis for her. And so that's when I started to feel a loss of hope. And it was so gradual that I wouldn't say I necessarily felt shock from it, but I definitely felt guilt and anger and frustration as I was trying to to talk with my husband and decide if we were going to do this thing and and get the NG tube for her. And and, um, I had definitely experienced depression before then because it was like maybe this time maybe this time maybe this time we'll figure it out and we weren't through all of the different testing testings and all the different departments that were showing up as not that there was no issue so i kept thinking there's no issue here why aren't we able to just kind of you know grow out of this a little bit um but obviously when we were able to learn more about what was going on genetically for her that's when it started to become more clear And that's the time when I was able to start to work through things a little bit more and accept things a little bit more. But up until that point, it was denial. And then what I have found most interesting about grieving when you have a child with special needs is that the grieving is cyclical. You don't just grieve once and then you're good. You grieve as your child develops. You reach new stages of grieving. Because as your child develops, you start to realize oh, like the other kids don't play with them the same, or they're not able to communicate. And yet they understand a lot. And that must be so frustrating. So there's a, a, a st- the stages of grief that you have for your child and for your child's life. But not only is it cyclical in that way, but it's also layered. Because there's a grieving process that you go through for your child. But then there's also a grieving process that you go through for you and your life and the life that you thought you were going to have and the life that you now have because of how much is required of you to take care of your child. And this type of grief has an extra emotion attached to it. And that emotion is shame because it's not grieving normally, you know, and and it's easy to say, well, the life that you wanted and you thought you would have, it makes sense that you would grieve that, right? It's like I was going to have this one thing and and now I'm not, or I was going to live my life this way and and now I'm not going to be able to, at least for a while but grieving in the sense that I I have a child that has special needs and I did not want that. I wasn't expecting that. That adds a whole other layer to my life that I, I didn't want. And yet at the same time, that special need is attached to something that you love so dearly, to your child, a part of your child which at the current time seems inseparable. It's so prominent with your child that you can't separate it. And so you feel a sense of shame because essentially you're wishing your child was something that they're not. You're wishing that they were different. And you feel shame because, especially to the mommies out there, to the daddies right you feel like you should love your child as they are the way that they have come to you with all the things and you don't so what the heck is wrong with you Right. That's the dialogue that goes in our mind. Like what is wrong with me? I should just love them for who they are and the fact that I have them and the fact that they're alive. Like there's so many wonderful things about this experience or just having them. So why am I still so sad about this or angry or frustrated or in denial or all those things or depressed? I shouldn't be. Therefore, because I am, something must be wrong with me. And that's the shame, right? So where do we go from here? Well, I'm going to reference my good friend, Bernay Brown. Yeah, Bernay, we're friends. We're friends. And she says that the antidote to shame is empathy. She says that by talking about your shame with a friend who expresses empathy... And if you have questions about empathy, refer to my previous podcast on empathy, that painful feelings cannot survive. She says shame depends on buying into the belief that you are alone. And let me tell you, friends, if you're listening to this podcast, I hope that you know by now that you are not alone. I know what it feels like to feel shame to feel like I'm a bad mom because there's aspects of my child that I don't want and even at times did not want my child. And I know that's not beautiful. It's the dark, deep places inside of ourselves that we want to hide from people, but that still affect us on the day to day. And so we got to put skin on it. And by skin, I mean you can talk to someone and it someone you trust, right? And have that empathetic experience. Something that's going to be important is that you warn the person beforehand saying, hey, I don't want you to fix anything that's going on here. I just want you to listen, right? To help see and hear me and the experience that I'm going through. Giving a disclaimer like that is incredibly helpful for the person that's going to be listening and helping and providing the safe space for you to express how you're feeling and to have that kind of connection that empathy provides. If you're in a position where you're not able to find someone to empathize with, another great option is to process the shame meaning you're going to put skin on it. You're going to go into your body, figure out which part of the body is housing it, figure out how to create an image that connects it to the subconscious mind, feel it, communicate with it, and feel it as it moves through your body. Get it to a place where it's moving through your body instead of staying housed in your body. Because when we don't process our emotions, they stay with us. They stay in us and they shape the way that we see the world and ourselves. So learning how to process our emotions and help them move through our body instead of stay in our body is really important for our emotional and mental and physical health. Thanks for tuning in today, you guys. I hope that you found something helpful as you continue on your journey of taking care of yourself and your child with special needs. Thanks for joining me today. I'll be back next Friday with another podcast. Make sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Take care.